Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the hardcover campaign adventure Rime of the Frostmaiden. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to become a patron of Sly Flourish, you can do so by finding the link down below and joining up. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, but most of all, they help me put on shows like this. So, boy, lots of stuff happening. Today, They are the characters are going into Yethrin. And I'm not ready. But who, who's ever ready, right? When is anybody ever ready? I did say last week that my homework was going to be reading up on Yethrin, and I kind of did that. I, I read a fair bit of it. I, I gave it a good, solid review. And I'm kind of stuck because I don't know which parts of it I want to run and which parts of it I don't want to run. A lot of people have run Yethrin and said that they really enjoyed it. So running it as is is probably not so bad. But I I have some idea. There's some things that I want to I, th I think I want to do differently. So we are going to start off our, the DM skim, says Sean Mez. Yes, exactly. So we're going to start off by creating a new session uh, page. And we have that. And today is the 14th November. So let's take a look at what happened last week. So last week they faced off uh, against, oh boy, a character died. Character pretty much committed suicide. It really, it happened. We'll, we'll talk about that. Talk about, digest that. So it started off with the voice of the old one calling out to Aachen and Ilda. So we found out that Aachen has some kind of connection to Thrun and to the old ones of the Far Realm. We already knew that Ilda did. And uh, Shadowhawk, who has a Mind Flayer symbiote in his head, was also able to hear it. There was some deep rumbling and there is the, the, the egg. The egg is shifting in Candle's hand. And they made their way through. Let's see. I'm trying to remember what happened. Did I write a summary? They killed. They faced. Yeah, right. They killed Teklili. So they, they went down into the chambers. Uh, let's pull up a map here. Uh, so they started off in area like H16. They made their way into H22. They fought some vampire spawn, the remaining vampire spawn, and killed them. One of them ran away down to H31. They snuck down to H31. This is the area with the great big tentacled horror behind the ice, uh, which in my case is another creature that was drawn in like Thrun was into the world. Thrun is this elder evil that I'm, that I'm making sort of a central villain in my campaign. They And then, so a vampire spawn ran down there and was screaming, and then all of a sudden the screaming was cut off. They came in and saw Tech Lily impaling the vampire kobold on a on icy stalagmite. And then go back and started sort of in prayer to the big tentacled horror with the huge tentacle going up against the ice. They said, well, let's go take him out. So they they charged in, Tech Lily turned around, and that's when I turned my vampire dial up. And we turned that vampire dial all the way up. He got a ton. So there were six characters, six level eight characters i think six level eight characters and they only tech lily no villains so like how am i going to make a single vampire hard for eight uh there were six level eight characters and the answer is 
66 necrotic damage on a bite attack, an extra 3d6 necrotic damage on an attack, and like five legendary actions. So he got to act between everybody's turn. He did something. He either could teleport by turning into a swarm of sturges and then reforming into his um, into his normal null shape so he could move around the battlefield without provoking opportunity attacks uh, in between turns and on his turn. He had that poisonous glare that he could do. I took that from his original stat block. He could do that as a bonus action. He could swipe at somebody and grab them as a as a legendary action. Uh, I didn't give him lair actions. I should have given him lair actions. See, I forget. Like, you know, I forget all this stuff all the time. Of course he should have had lair actions. I don't even know what a lair action for a vampire is. I couldn't even tell you. So, but he, boy, he slammed it and he bit the cleric. He bit gore and did like 25 points of necrotic damage that then lowered his hit point cap by 25. And he's like, if I take that again, I'm dead, right? I will be dead, dead. So like he blinked out and is like, keep that guy away from me because if he bites me again. And so, he, you know, and, and he never did get another bite attack off, but he shelled out damage. He was doing like 18 points of damage every turn to every character. And then on his turn, slamming twice. So even though they're pulling a lot of eighth level shenanigans, he was still a big threat. So increasing, and I think this is a, a, a little tip. If you're running a single legendary monster against a group higher than four, it's not really cheating to give him an extra legendary action for every character, for every character above four, right? So in other words, if you're facing six characters, giving five legendary actions to a creature isn't doesn't feel out of hand to me. I think I asked Dan Dillon about this, and he was like, yeah, that's probably too much. But I don't think it's too much. I think that it, it helps with the action economy, right? It helps, it helps balance out that action economy. So don't feel bad about giving more legendary actions than they have. And you might want to normalize with your players and get them used to the idea that legendary monsters have a flexible number of legendary actions, right? And so that they're not like, oh, we burned the three, we're good. So that was a good tip. The other thing, another tip for legendary actions that I think is really cool is something from Level Up 5e. The new the new sort of N-World has put out a new fork of 5e called Level Up Advanced 5th Edition or Level Up Advanced 5e. And one of the things they do for legendary monsters is that legendary resistances are tied to physical things in the world. So imagine that like a, uh, a lich has three glyphs on his head and the glyphs wink out of existence as he's using up legendary resistances. In my case, I had glyphed teeth and one of his teeth would shatter whenever he lost a legendary resistance and he only had three. And so they could tell, ah, he's, he's losing his power, right? So when you can, finding a way that a monster has a, a legendary resistance. If you could have a dragon with three ion stones surrounding their head, and each ion stone is it explodes and breaks whenever a legendary resistance is used. Think of ways that legendary resistance can be manifested in the world and then show that off in the story. I think that's a really that's probably my number one tip for running legendary resistances. And I'm probably gonna do a video about that. So they defeated. They killed him. They finally defeated uh, Teklili and he turned into ash and burned away and all that was left was his skull. And there's this huge tentacled horror inside of this, this icy tomb and there's a crack and there's black liquid flowing out of the tomb. Ilda realized this is the stuff that her stepfather had given her that made her the way she is. And Auken realized he was dying and was given this stuff at some point. And see, he's got it in his blood too. And Candle says, I go up and drink it. And we're like, Really? And he's like, I go up and I, 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 I realize that like, if we're going to defeat this thing, we need to become more like this thing, like right out of 30 days of night. Right. And says, I'm going to, I'm going to drink this stuff. And so he drinks it and I'm like, make a constitution saving throw DC 16. And he's like, 
he rolls. He's like, 18. And I'm like, you die. And he's like, but I rolled an 18. I'm like, yeah, it's not as bad as it could have been. <laughs> it's like, huh? So Candle falls over dead. Everyone's like, oh my God, Candle just killed himself, right? He just drank this liquid and fell over dead. What is going on? And all of a sudden, Candle's eyes open and they're swimming black. You know, his eyes are swimming black oil. And, and you know, his eyes are swimming back, back and he looks around and his like his fur kind of becomes like mottled a bit and he stands up and he opens his mouth and he's got these long fangs and they're like, are we going to have to fight Candle? Did Candle just become a vampire? And I'm like, Candle, you still have your faculties. You still know who you are. You still know what you are. You get to determine what you are, but you are no longer alive and you're no longer a tabaxi. You are now a vampire. So I, we pulled out Van Richten's guide and we looked up vampire and I'm like, you are now a vampire and here's these new abilities that you have and here's this new stuff that you have. And you're, you know, you can take certain components from your tabaxi origin, but you lose other ones, you know, and you've got this new stuff. And I'm like, and, and you, you know, and it's, it's sad. It's something, in some cases it's really heartbreaking, right? Like he had this egg that he cared for that was a remoraz egg and he knew it was a remoraz egg. And I'm like, and you take the egg out because it's moving and you realize you don't feel anything for this anymore. And he's like, I throw it in the corner. And we're like, oh God, like he, he carried this thing around with him for like half a year in real world time, right? He had it forever. And now he's like, I don't care about it anymore, right? Because he's now become this other thing. And we're like, what happened to Candle, right? So Candle is dead and now a vampire. So now, so now we have, of the six characters in our campaign, we have Ilda. So let's, let's, let's do a quick review of, of Candle got snuffed out. Oh, no. Oh, I think I got to put that in the start. So we have Ilda. Ilda is a half-elf, half-goliath who was fed the blood of Thrun when she was a baby by her evil stepfather. She has since killed her evil stepfather. He's gone. But she feels the blood of Thrun in her veins. And the closer she gets to Thrun, the more she can feel this connection to him. We have Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk is a half mind flayer, half drow who has a mind flayer symbiote in his head. Another thing from the outer world uh, that lets him kind of hear the waves of Thrun's talk, but he doesn't fully understand and he's not fully connected. We have Auk and Dawncaller, who at some point in his life was also given the blood of Thrun. So he's got this sort of, you know, probably not as much as Ilda and is not as drawn as Ilda, but he's definitely like a blood, you know, a blood relative of Ilda in more ways than one. So he's got some Thrun going on. We have Candle in the Dark, who was a tabaxi rogue that used to work for the Xanathar, broke away from the Xanathar, saved his parents from the Xanathar, killed the assassin that was hunting him and his parents, uh, and now drank the blood of Thrun or blood of the old of an old one and now be became a vampire, right? And then we have Perrin, who was kidnapped by Mind Flayers, and he still has like the web workings of Mind Flayer stuff in his body, and he's a conspiracy theorist and is sure that this stuff is going on. And then we have Gore, who's a merchant. Right. And so it, it did not it didn't it did not escape everybody that Gore is the only one who doesn't have some kind of otherworldly influence going on. Right. He's the he's the he's the Seinfeld of the group. He's the normal guy among the group of misfits. Right. And he's looking around at everybody and he's the only one that doesn't have some kind of, you know, corruption going on from either mind flayers or from old ones. Right. And it's just it's it just cracks us. It cracks us all up. You know, he's like, I don't know, everybody, right? <laughs> like, what's going to happen? So I wonder how that's going to play out, how that's going to play out in the end. Candle got snuffed. Big rumble down below as the Remoraz shifts position, as the larger Remoraz shifts position. I think that'll be a fun, strong start. So they are, I think, oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. They woke up the mummy in H33. 
Mummy, Netherese Mummy, is choking Aachen. I think could we make it a Mummy Lord? You know, do we want to do we want to be mean? Mummy Lords. See, this is where things get rid of. Ninety-seven hit points, but CR fifteen, and vulnerable to fire. Right? Weird. But I think sure. I think I might do a Mummy Lord without the spell casting. Right? I think that that will be. But we'll see. So I think it's going to be a Mummy Lord. I think we'll just, whoops. We have our Nethery's Mummy Lord. Because that, that that's in the book. There's actually a mummy. There's a mummy there, right? So scenes, we have Mummy Lord. Then we have probably, I think it's time to get them into Yethrin. So if we look at the caves, there's other places they could go. I don't know. I'll have to look at like H36 through 39. But this is making its way to Yethrin. Oh, this is the Grove. I think we might, I'm thinking about skipping a lot of this. You know, I, I think it's time to get it, to get them into Yethrin. I think we're going to do that. And so the idea that the, there is a... So Brian FK says, my party enjoyed the encounter with the Dryad. So maybe we'd do the Dryad. I'm, I'm, let's take a look. Like, I'm not in any hurry. But I just feel like I'm kind of done with the Caves of Hunger. Like, we spent three sessions there, right? I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready. But let's, let's take a look at the Dryad scene. So that's H36. Grove of frost-covered trees fills a thing with fills a 50-foot-high cavern with a mixture of ice and earth. By some magic and miracle, trees are alive. Canopy's thick. There is a dryad. It, it's probably this is you know we we're talking about upward beats. This is some good stuff. These are these are good. These are some good secrets we can just steal and drop right into our secrets and clues. Right? Who doesn't who doesn't like we're lazy? Right? We paid we paid money for this book. Let's let's use it. So yeah, okay. You changed my mind. Thank you. Who who was it? Somebody said they had fun with the dryad. Brian, thank you for convincing me to do the dryad i think that i think i think you're right and that is uh Hathawin. that's cool that's a good scene what is 37 and 38 let's take a look at those uh weird insights nothics so these are interesting irithalas the powerful nethery's archwizard watches overthrown he's lost oh so yeah i don't think i'm gonna do these secrets because i'm replacing all these guys I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe we'll have like a Nothic. I don't know if I'm going to have four Nothics. How tough are Nothics? They're not particularly hard, are they? They're CR2. It's kind of funny that Nothics are kind of described as these main villains in this area, but like your level, they'll probably be level. I think by the time they they reach Yethrin, they'll, they'll reach level nine, right? I'm pretty sure they are level eight now. They're eighth level now. So they're going to be ninth level when they reach Yethrin. And they might get to as much as 10th level. I don't even remember what they're supposed to be. Oh, and what's 38? So 37 is supposed to be Nothics. 38 is Ice Caves with a Psychic Haunting. Might be kind of fun to put a secret in there. And then the passage to... the passage to. So we can have... So one secret is that a Remoraz... And how do you spell Remoraz? I like that it suggested a wrong spelling. You see that? Like It's like so many people put in this query because <laughs> nobody can spell Remoraz. Uh, a Remoraz is on the move in the tunnels below the, the Caves of Hunger, an adult Remoraz. And I think it could break into Yethrin. I think we could have an encounter in Yethrin. What are some other secrets and clues? So I think there are how many towers? We'll, we'll start this out and then we'll fill it out. There are of towers in Yethrin, each dedicated to a branch of magic, a central spire leads into the chamber of Thrun below. Three arch wizards were required to enter 
the spire. Each arch wizard held a key or artifact uh, that served as their key entry. So my thought is rather than having, I, I, I don't like the idea of the riddle, right? And the reason I don't is like, are you telling me that every time the arch wizards had to go in there, they had to do those nine dumb things? And why would you have nine dumb things that anybody could do that could get you into like the most secret place of your of your area? Like that doesn't make sense to me, right? This is this is why puzzles always kind of are weird to me is because like you don't have like a Sudoku puzzle on the front door of your house, right? And it's like, oh, if somebody can figure out Sudoku, they can get into my house and take my laptop. Like that's not how it works, right? Like you have a lock, right? So when... Uh, to me, I think of it like a safe deposit box, right? That like three wizards, they didn't trust any one wizard to have access to this thing at once. Three wizards are required because the three, you, you're very unlikely to get three wizards to engage in a conspiracy enough that they could break in, right? So instead it's like, well, more than three wizards is too much of a pain to get in. Less than three wizards and there might be, they might one wizard might conspire. So to me, the idea that they would have a key, the idea that they would each kind of hold a key and three keys are needed to be able to enter the spire. A, from a gameplay standpoint, that means the players get to decide which of the three spires do we want to go to. And from a in-world perspective, it makes sense that you would set it up that three wizards are required to be able to enter the vault. It takes three, it takes three of the arch wizards to get in. That to me makes more sense, right? So I, so I like that idea. It also gets into that, the, the, the keys. What is another secret? What's, what's her name? Avarice has made her way into Yethrin. Using a horn of blasting, she got at the frost giant Yaramut. She has, who, who is she bringing with him? Who would she ally with? Who could she have allied with instead of having, so normally it would be Black Sun cultists, not Black Sun cultists, cultists of the Black Sword. What if instead she has connected up with, see, this is where we bring in character stuff. She's connected up with the Knight's Kiss. We're going to make these two secrets. Everest connected up with the Knight's Kiss. She agrees to give Shadowhawk over to House Zalaren in exchange for their help to reach the Sarcophagus of Thrun. Excellent. Father Lymac wanders Yethrin. He is a former elf of the Knights of the Black Sword who joined the Netherese when they took Thrun and became corrupted by Thrun and turned into a lich. Cool. What is Father Lymac's phylactery? Could his phylactery be the sarcophagus? Could he be tied to the, the mythalar? I don't know. What, what would be a fun object that he could be tied to? Probably he's tied to the energy of Thrun. That's a lot of secrets. So location-wise, so we know that they're going to do this stuff here. They're going to do the, I like the, the Grove idea is a good one. It's a good upward beat after getting pummeled in the face by a mummy lord. They might run into, a, a, I think, one Nothic. I don't think I'm going to throw like three Nothics or four Nothics or whatever, but they might learn something from the Nothic and the Nothic could start to steal secrets from them. I think that's cool. And then they're going to make their way into Yethrin. So how best to run Yethrin, right? Like Yethrin's kind of a weird place to run. So there's lots of Nothics. It's because it's a city, you almost want to run it more like a city. And maybe, so I think that's what we're going to do to get our heads around it, to get my head around it. Uh, we're going to create a new page. 
Do I have a page already? Uh, I do. Okay, cool. What do I have in Yethrin? I have nothing in here. So it is a location. And I am going to stick some stuff in here. The first thing we do is put a link uh, to the page so I can quickly get to it. Then I think we need the map. So now I've got a nice image of Yethrin in there where it has the labels in it. So that's good. We might have like, I, did they have like a wandering monster table? I think they have one already. Right? So we have this whole thing about Erothalus the Demolich, who I think I'm going to replace with, I'm replacing Erothalus with the with with Father Limac. I could change Father Limac into a Demi-Lich instead of a Lich. That would be kind of fun. Demi-Liches, I think, are certainly easier to run than a Lich. You know, his body could fall apart and all that's left is a Lich with a jeweled, with a jeweled teeth. Maybe, I don't know. I guess they're not facing him yet. So uh, we can figure that out, but maybe. So fall of Yethrin, after using the, the, the Yethrin Mythalar to lift the enclave into the sky, Rathos and his apprentice traveled to the frozen north in search of relics of Astoria. So there's lots of good lore in here, right? Lot, this is, this, this is a, there's a good pile of lore uh, that we can use. But location-wise, the big question is like, how do they, did I already open this up in a new window somewhere? Man, this image is big. How do they travel around? Like, how will they make, you know, what, what, what are the choices that the characters have? And where will they decide to go, right? Like, what, you, wanna, you wanna offer the options to them of, of different places that they could go. And, and so they, their goal, right? Their goal here is to require the three, three keys from the three former archmages in order to get through the center spire, right? So we know we wanna do that. Let's see, let's close this up. I'm, I'm apparently burning a lot of memory in my window here. So they do, let's take a look at their random encounters table. One to 50 is no encounter. I don't know why you bother with that. Uh, tomb tappers, living big bee hands, or cult fanatics. Could be drow, right? I think, I think maybe like the Knight's Kiss hired a bunch of drow and brought some more drow in here. Spitting mimics or cold light walkers, if oral isn't through. Cold light walkers would be good. Gargoyles or a frost giant skeleton accompanied by winter wolves. Okay, so there's like, if Oral is here, I wonder what makes Oral here or not here. And mine, I think she is, right? But I think, so I think the way I'm gonna do it is that Avarice is carrying Oral in her, right? That Oral has kind of gone into Avarice. And when they face Avarice, they're gonna face the three forms of Oral. Boy, everybody wants Thumper. Sorry, Thumper's, Thumper's dead, dead. Deimos, Magan, or Galvin Magan for their, and those, those guys. Nothics. Not a great random encounter list, frankly. So I think we're going to make our own. And why did that? So we will, we'll, we'll take some of these guys. So Tomb Tapper, that's a good one. Living Bigby Hands, those are, that's kind of cool. Drow Scouts, an elite fighter. I forget what they're called. Spitting Mimics, why would there be Spitting Mimics? Cold Light Walkers, Gibbering Mouthers, to, because of the Thrun influence. Demos Magan, these guys are weird. What are they? Unaligned. They are magical servants. Demos Magan and Galvin. They're summoned servants. So I wonder what happens when you face them. Nothics, sure. Those aren't bad. I'm not going to put in the like random encounter, you know, the boss. You don't put bosses in your random encounter table because you want to like, oh, hey, randomly encounter the boss. What else? What else? What are some other? So that's seven things. Uh, what are some good things that they could run into? Friendly Nothic could be a thing. Confused specters. 
Lamlord says, I actually like villains being in the random encounter table, Strahd in the castle. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the thing is, like, I, I play so loose with the random encounter tables anyway that putting a boss on there, I don't know. Like, I don't really, I, I tend not to even roll on it when I'm running the game. It's just, it's, this isn't so much a random encounter table as it was a way for me to list things that could happen when they're, when they're going through. What other kind of cool stuff could they, could they face here? I think that there's some, it could be weird. Oh, well, uh, what about, so Githyanki? Would Githyanki bother to come down here or Mind Flayers? Friendly Naga sounds like a good idea, right? They've been trapped down here a long time. That's a good idea. All right, that's good enough. So then we have this Arcane Blight, right? I don't know. Uh, the idea is like, okay, one, one thing is like, okay, so that an Arcane Blight fills Yethrin, which means uh, you can't really take, I guess I would want them to be able to take one long rest, I think that's a good way to say like, you, you know, you get, you get like one long rest and you can tell them that when they get in there, like you're going to get one long rest. So, so make it, make it count. Right. It's a little bit of gameplay, but I think it works. So they have, there's an arcane blight. You could turn into a nothing if you, if you're there too long, we have some yet some treasures, right? So if they explore different locations, they can hit treasures. There's a bunch of Yethrin lore. This is really useful. I'm going to link that as a secret. And I think I'll stick it in my, uh, stick it in there. That's pretty good. So what locations? So we want to say like meaningful. These are the possible locations that they can, there's, there's sort of main locations. These locations, these locations hold keys to reach the spire, right? Where's my typo? So like that. There we go. Icy Causeway. They might face their first tomb tapper. Wizard Spires. The Chain Lightning Stadium, the Tower of Abjuration, right? So how many towers are there? It's a Tower of Abjuration. There's a prison, the Spire Entrance. This is Tower of Conjuration, House of the Arcane. There's a lot of interesting places. There's the Library, Borium, Tower of Divination. How many towers are there? This one looks like it leads to the Observatory, Wellspring. Bazaar of the Bazaar, Hall of Silk, the Observatory, Menagerie, the Theater, Spire, the Tower of Necromancy. I like this one. What what place is this? This is the, the Spire of Erotholith. I guess this is the main, this is the spire that leads down to, let's see, that's the final showdown area. Okay. Where's the map for that? Oh, I guess this is it, right? And is this what would lead down into... Is this what leads down to, let's see, Shimmery Force Field, which rises in the center of Yethrin and dwarfs all the creatures can't pass. Okay, so this is, in order to get to this is what you have to have the things to to enter, right? Okay. So it's like its own place. It's kind of funny that they, they just throw it in Yethrin because it's got a lot of chambers of its own. Are there more towers? This is certainly a weird layout. Tower of Evocation, Gelatinous Cubes, Tower of Illusion, the Yeth. Tower of Enchantment, Tower of Transmutation, Music Hall, Skydock Spire, Museum. So I suppose that that, the obelisk of Go Back, thousands of years to the key, the, uh, is the obelisk listed here? I actually want, I love that idea, and I want to figure that out. I want to figure out a way to, to, to get it to go in. So it seems like if we were to... If we were going to map out how this chapter works, the characters enter Yethrin... They have to travel to three of the, they have to choose three of the towers to go to. They go to the three towers. They 
at the three towers, they collect the three items required to open up the, which leads to the spire of Erathalus. But there's also a, the bridgeway, right? The, the bridgeway is guarded. It's a big ass chapter. The spire entrance, right? So then they go to the spire entrance. They go into the spire of Erathalus and then they travel down into the sarcophagus. I guess, is, is that an ossuary? I th and then you know that can be sort of their 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 showdown. So then we have these different towers, and then there's places that they can visit along the way. So like as they're on as they head to one of the towers, they could run into other locations as they go. And then I'll just I'll just run those. There's probably this could really do with a Justin Alexander style point crawl map for all of these locations. Like like what are all the places and how are they connected and how do you how do you how do you reach them and sort of what paths lead to them? I think that is beyond today's show for sure. But maybe it's something we'll work on as we go. Maybe I'll maybe I'll spend some time working that out for both my groups because I think it'd probably be worth, you know, like if you travel from, you know, what are the what are the places that are between you and these other places so that you could see them and make make choices about what's what's nearby and what you can see. City like this is a perfect a perfect place for a point. And then they can choose like which of the three towers do they want to go to, uh, try to collect the items from those three towers. I'm just going to replace the engravings with like the corpse of one of the, the corpse of the location. And I think it'll be fun if they're an actual magic item that somebody could use. The area in the Caves of Hunger are an adventure all to themselves. Yeah, they really are. So I think that that would be, that that would be a good approach. Is there anything else? that I need for today, really. Let's go back to my original notes. So now I've got, I'm, I'm building out my Yethrin page, which is good. Probably should have done that more often. They reached level nine, the Mummy Lord, the Dryad. So, you know, they're not gonna get too far into Yethrin today. Monsters I don't really need, they're all in the book. I mean, I've got like the Mummy Lord, uh, Remoraz, uh, Tomb Tepper, Drow. Yeah, I'll figure that out as I go. Uh, Treasure-wise, I think that the, it would be cool if the mask worn by let's do let's do a, uh, a nice high power single use item greater invisibility hold monster cone of cold cone of cold's not bad reverse gravity i think i might have already given them a reverse gravity wind wall project cloud of daggers levitate harm harm would be a good right harm is really is really tough con saving throw failed save takes 14 necrotics half another success Damage can't reduce the target's hit points below one. If the target fails the saving throw, its hit point maximum is reduced for one hour by the amount equal. Ooh, oh, that's really good. So I think it's the mask. It's Netheri's mask of harm. That of harm. DC. We'll make it high. What's the what's the Mummy Lord's DC? DC seventeen. It's a nice, powerful. What does the mask look like? Is it a child's mask? Is it a grim? A grim mask, a smiling, a smiling mask. What what is the mask? You know, a demon mask, and just a faceless obsidian mask, plague doctor mask. I think we're good. Yeah, I don't need, think I need much more treasure. I think we're I think we're good on that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go lazy with some of the other stuff today. So. If we look at Yethrin, so the location of the Wizard Spire, that's the lightning, what's uh, four is probably the nearest tower. They're probably, I would expect they'd be like, well, let's just go to the four closest towers, right? What's five? Oh, the prison. 
I think we're all set. You know, I think we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna just run with it and see where it goes. I'm I'm I don't feel how do I feel? I feel fine. I feel I feel like I've got enough. Yetherin's kind of a big place, and I would sure feel better if I had a point crawl map for it. And maybe I'll spend a little time building a point crawl map. Maybe I'll do a little a little homework for that. That's that's kind of homework that'll pay off. You know, it it takes some extra work, but I think it's I think it's uh, homework that'll pay off. Uh, for me to get a better handle around this city and how it's connected and stuff like that. So I think I might spend some time and work that out, but I don't need to do that. I don't need to do that on the air. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today. Thank you for spending my Sunday morning helping me prepare for my D&D game. Appreciate the feedback that you guys give me. And if you enjoyed this show, you can help me out in a few ways. You can subscribe to this Life Flourish newsletter. You can subscribe to my videos on YouTube. You can support me directly on Patreon, or you can pick up any of my books. So thank you. Thank you all for, 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 for those of you who have done that. Thank you. And next week, we'll see how things went. So thank you all very much and have a great day.